Thank you so very much. And yes, our God is an awesome God. Don't ever forget that, young people. Thank you so very, very much. I'm going to do something we haven't done before. I'm going to ask Mike Adamick if he'll come up here. And we're going to visit with Mike for just a little bit. Um, on any given day, you might now be aware that today is it's kind of happening is that we have neither Mike nor Miles Hogberg with us. You see Judy sitting alone. She doesn't like it. She's made that clear, but we need her here. That's because God has called Mike and Miles to ministries in empty pulpits around the area. And both of them are now in the process of speaking regularly. Mike, you have been speaking regularly in other pulpits for a long time. So... What I first want to just talk about with Mike for just a couple minutes is um, how many years ago did you get started speaking in the pulpit? Just, just briefly. Well, Gary asked me about, uh, I think it's about 16 years ago now, to speak at a church picnic up in Lake Bronson. Um, and I remember having to have a whiteboard out because I wanted to do something for kids. He said, you know, there's kids in the audience, so I had to do something. He said, it only has to be about 15 minutes. And... Uh, uh, that got the start way back that far ago. And since then, how many different churches have you spoken in up in this area? And typically, I, I think right now it's about 16 churches in our area, in this northwestern corner of Minnesota, from here to Pembina, uh, really this northwestern corner of the state. And where are you speaking with some degree of regularity right now? Um, it's been a blessing. My whole schooling at Oak Hills um, I've been able to speak up at Tyne, a little community, a little covenant church up near Drayton, North Dakota. Um, small little country church. Uh, there's about nine of us, uh, eight in the congregation of me. Uh, and that's where I've been almost, I mean, I could be up there every week, but I'm up there typically about every other week the last, uh, about going on now over three years. Yeah, it's been, so, it's been yeah. quite a while. The thing that I know where God is using Mike in these ministries, he's always getting asked back. Goes speaks in a church, and they want him to come back and speak again. And so that's a blessing. Now, he mentioned Oak Hills because he did all of this just because he loved the Lord, wanted to serve the Lord, and um, just was willing to go out and fill these pulpits. But then more recently, within the last few years, tell us a little bit. You referenced Oak Hills. Tell us just a little bit about what your journey has been with Oak Hills. Well, Gary knows for, for a lot of years now, I've toiled at going to school in different ways. Um, looked at different programs or different things. Um, I did go back to school in 1999, 2000, 2001 at Concordia in St. Paul and got a four-year degree in business, but I've always wanted to do some kind of ministry uh, work or whatever. And it's probably been four years or five years ago that I was at, I got laid off from Arctic and was at a conference in that, at the Free Church in Bemidji where uh, to be the elected to be president, Marty Geese, was uh, a part of that conference. And we got to talking about ministry and whatever. And he said, Mike, he said, we're going to develop a program for guys like you. He said, I'm working with Dr. Rick, and uh, we're going to be heading you up, or we're going to be looking you up when we get this figured out. And it was about a year and a half later that he had called and said, Mike, and actually I met with a couple guys from the college, and they said, hey, the program's up and running. Are you coming? And I looked at it and I said, originally they had it set for on the campus. And this was pre-COVID. They said, no. I said, if we're going to do this for guys like this in your position, we can't have it on the campus. So they 
put the program on hold for six months to do all the technology needed to put it online and put the whole program online so anybody across the world could get it. So they started a program which is called Rural uh, Leadership and Ministry at Oak Hills. It's a two-year uh, program and uh, to take uh, guys like myself and give them some kind of tools to rural ministry is really their focus. Mike has, Mike has taken very seriously his studies. The program itself is excellent because I've walked through it with Mike and the, the materials they're having him reading, the assignments they're having him do. It's an excellent, excellent program, specifically for a guy who's in Mike's situation. And uh, so really, really excited about that. And today, Mike, now as you're here, all right, Mike is here today as he's finishing up his program and they require an internship from you, which is a lot of different, very practical, <laughs> hands-on things. Yeah. One of the things that is required is you have to preach two messages in a church somewhere, which, of course, he's been doing for years. That Finding that isn't hard. But what we're going to do a little different today is I'm here to listen, having been a mentor through him, with him through this process, and then if you see me feverishly taking notes... Okay, that's what I'm doing, is I am feverishly taking notes, and if you see me go, and then he's like, what, 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 okay, then just understand that we'll talk about that later. <laughs> but folks, uh, can I ask you to, to understand this? This is a big day for Mike. This is a big day for Mike that he's been studying in a formal setting and this is part of finishing up that studying and uh, very exciting because he, is, he has a sincere heart to serve the Lord. He lives his life for the kingdom on a daily basis. He lives it in the workplace where he is at and um, we just have this privilege. We've been involved in Mike's schooling in some other ways and we have this privilege of sharing today with him. So... Uh, he's going to, when he actually speaks, he's going to speak from down below. So I'm going to have him start just moving in that direction. Well, before, before I let him pray here in a moment, I, I want to share this to the fact that, uh, you know, none of this would have been possible without Gary asking way back when. And that's over. I, I think I started probably at the picnic maybe more than 15, 16 years ago might have been a little bit before that, but Gary was instrumental. Gary came with the, with the vision, and many of you don't know, uh, and you wouldn't know, and Miles is a part of that vision too. Gary came with a vision to train a, you know, a half a dozen guys to go out and speak. Um, and that was something he had from the beginning when he came. And it was so neat that I got a chance to you know, be uh, selected or be just you know, chosen or asked. I did youth ministry in the cities, and when I came up here, it's like to speak with youth, that's not a big deal. I can probably do that. I could probably speak at a church. But he has worked with me ever since. I mean, it's not a small, small commitment. He's really committed almost from the day he came here to be able to build and invest in other guys' lives. And I'm just a, a chance and, and had an opportunity to be that. And as he shared, he's been my mentor through the whole program. Uh, we met almost weekly, if not every other week, um, to get together, to go over what I'm learning in school, for him to give me some practical experience or practical advice, whatever I needed, which I need a lot. But, uh, but he's walked me through it. So it's really, a lot of it goes to him for the vision originally, giving me the opportunity, and now walking me through the internship, which brings us to today. So, You realize the reason he interrupted and wanted to make sure that got said, if this all crashes and burns, he's going to blame me. <laughs> 
it's really been fun to see the maturity come yeah. into Mike's, uh, just in his discussions, the discussions we have together, as he went through his schooling. It's like our entire discussions were changing in terms of quality and depth, and it was wonderful to watch. So that's this morning for Mike. Mike, you go ahead, start getting set up as, uh, as he's getting ready, because he likes to speak from down below. As he's getting ready, I just want to give you two very brief updates. Number one, we, uh, we were asked to pray for Nick Smeo's brother-in-law, Mike Moeller. He tells me he's coming along well, still going through treatment. We've been praying for Ann Ramsdale, uh, Kristen's uh, mom. And she's doing well. I got word on that this morning. So we're just going to give thanks for that. We're going to pray for Mike, and we're going to set him loose. Father, thank you that you are faithful, that you work in our lives. Thank you, Father, for these two medical updates, which both are hopeful and positive, Lord. We pray you continue to work in their lives, and uh, that um, they will see your good hand. Draw them to yourself in the process of all of this, Lord. And now, Father, as we have the privilege as a church to, to share this significant moment with our own brother, Mike, who has served faithfully here, been on our board for many, many years, and you're directing him in this way now. We pray your anointing upon his ministry. We pray that this will be a time of blessing for him, for us, and that you will be pleased by the message that he brings. Use it to transform us into Christ-likeness, we ask, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it is a privilege to be back and to be able to share this morning in, in more ways than you'll ever know in the course of these last couple of years, being able to study and now being able to put some of this together and practically be able to share some of what I've been doing. Uh, it's been a blessing to be a part of ministry in our whole area, not to just see what's happening here, but what's happening in our whole area and, and what's happening in different churches. And just a little bit of an update of why Miles is out this Sunday, if he is, I believe he is. Um, the last I counted, there's 11 churches in our area in just this northwestern, northwestern corner of the state that are without pastors or have interims and looking for pastors. The need is great for guys to speak and to help out in churches. I mean, a huge need. Uh, pastors are leaving almost by the, by the groves due to COVID. A lot of it has to do with COVID. A lot of them got beat up. A lot of them got tired. A lot of them got weary. And I'll tell you one thing that I've learned in my schooling about rural pastors, more so than you'll see it at a Bethel in Fargo or Grace in Fargo or, or, or Grand Forks, is these guys, uh, Gary is included, pour their heart and their soul and their life into these churches. And they, they do way more than speaking on a Sunday morning. They're involved in way more than what we would ever see. And I see it. I, I, I walk alongside these guys. I, like I said, I, Gary has shared with me almost from the beginning when we've come up here about his ministry here. So this is not an easy ministry to be called to a rural area. Uh, so these guys are getting worn out. They're getting tired. Uh, they're getting beat up. And they're pulling out. They're saying, I'm done with this. And so the need is great. So for Miles to be out, myself and others, is huge. Uh, to help out in these interim and in these, these times of need. And one other thing I'd like to share before I really get into the message is I want to thank this church also for your support and for the board getting on board um, two and a half years ago when we wanted to put a little seminar on in the church here at, it was going to start and it ended up being at the school called Creating a Caring Community, our mental health seminar. Susan here was, was on our committee uh, Pastor Kevin from Westocker was on the committee. Gary started on the committee with me, uh, and then due to his work, uh, uh, pulled off. And then we also had uh, Sarah LaFave, my neighbor, right down the road from where we live that works at Sanford, a part of it. 
and Patty Kuznia, who was from the Stephen area. Uh, we spent two and a half years trying to do this. Twice got shut down because of COVID, uh, but finally we were able to do it a couple of weeks ago. And from what we've been told, it, it, it was a huge success. Uh, both from the people that came and saw what happened and from the people that came and served, the people that gave, the people that came and brought information thought it was definitely valuable and would like to see it happen again. So thank you for the opportunity. So I have a lot of thinking to do to this church for where God has led and what brings me to today. It's interesting in putting this together um, that it was, uh, in fact, Ellers here this morning. It was at the end of uh, 2000 or I mean 2020, that I finished up my studies in Luke. I had to do an overview of a whole book. Uh, and I picked Luke. I don't know why I picked Luke, but I did. And we, were, we drove out to Cooperstown from the cities uh, going through Detroit Lakes. And we hit Detroit Lakes and the weather was horrid. And Eller can tell you how I drove from Detroit Lakes to Cooperstown. It was not fun. Uh, got to Cooperstown fine. We were safe, thanks be to God. Ellert was working there at the time. He had the house. We, we got our stuff settled. And Ellert and I took off and walked across the, 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 the camp. And pristine. Nobody had been there. No tracks. No nothing. Ellert and I are walking across. Just a beautiful setting. But I had to wrap up. I got a chance to wrap up that year, wrap up my schooling, wrap up my overview of Luke that weekend while we were there. Uh, and uh, we were there uh, New Year's Eve uh, weekend. And so I wrapped it up New Year's Eve afternoon, and, uh, and it just felt so good to be done. But I tell you this because my overview in Luke, which is where we're going to be this morning, was uh, so real. I mean, it became so real and so instrumental in that to be able to wrap up a year, to be able to go through. And, and part of my study, and just to give you a little background is it took me an hour a chapter. There's 24 chapters in Luke. It took me an hour a chapter to, to do my overview. And that was just the, the, the sum of the work. And there was a work that I do before and after. So some of the time that we spent, that I spent in my studies was significant. But what a blessing. And what a blessing to come this morning and share from Luke 2. And in my internship, uh, as Gary had mentioned, in being here this morning is is way beyond what I could thank you for. But my internship isn't, I didn't, <laughs> originally I thought, you know, it's this sheet, Gary referenced the sheet, I had a couple, uh, two or three pages, where there's all these things I got to check off, all these things I got to do. Uh, and I'm going, you know, this is crazy. I got to do all these things. But more and more when I got into the internship, and Gary will attest to it because he's walking through with, with me, is God didn't let me check off many of the boxes yet. He's doing a real work inside of Mike. He's changing Mike. He's saying, you know what? You did, your, you did the formal stuff now. You got the educational stuff. Now we're going to work on you. Uh, that isn't a lot of fun. I'd rather have checkboxes. I mean, we kind of had checkboxes for creating a caring community. We got to check this off and check that off. We had to get things done. And that's what I'd like to do, but it's not happening. And this morning, it rolls right into the message because this morning, as we talk about Luke and as we talk about peace and as we talk about Palm Sunday, I would like to just check boxes. I would like this to be really easy, like really peaceful. Well, God's not given me that too easily. In fact, this morning again, I was up at 2.30. Working on my message till 7.30 this morning. And it seems to be a pattern. God seems to be kind of working that way with me. That I can't get it done. Last night at 8.30, I said to the Lord, I said, I'm going to bed. I'm done. I, I can't keep con continuing tonight. I spent about 10 hours yesterday working. And then went to bed and said, okay, Lord, we're getting up, I guess, again at 2.30. And sure enough, I was up at 
I had my alarm set for 3.15, but got me up a little early and, and started to work on this because there's still work that needs to be done on Mike. So I am blessed to be here this morning and to share this Palm Sunday message, which may not seem kind of like Palm Sunday, but it is about peace. And it is about people failing, I believe, to recognize really who this Jesus was. This morning as I walk through this, it's, we come and we, we know about the hoopla and we know about the palms and we've got them right here, which I'm all for what, what they did and they wanted to praise God, but I think there's something missing. And I think folks, even I've missed it. And I focused on some of the stuff that I don't believe is totally right. So this morning, what I hope to do is be able to bring a different perspective. In fact, I listened to a message um, by another pastor, and he said his title of his message was the message, the sermon that never gets preached on on uh, Palm Sunday. Now, that's kind of bold. The, the sermon that never gets preached on Palm Sunday. But and I couldn't even tell you really what he preached. But I can tell you, as I thought about my own, I go, you know, I think I'm kind of feeling the same way. That this doesn't really get spoken about on Palm Sunday. And I hope to bring a new perspective. So before I get into it, this is what I hope to uh, bring to you this morning. This morning we're going to discover how those that follow Jesus can live in or at peace by understanding four ways the Jews failed to recognize what Jesus brought to their city and to their lives. And before we dive in, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come this morning and You know my heart. You know, Lord, the work that You have done in me these last couple days, these last couple weeks, these last couple years at Oak Hills. And Lord, I come this morning not worthy by any means to share Your Word. Not worthy by any means to be a spokesman for You, but Lord, I do know that You have called. And Lord, You continue to call. As Gary has shared, Lord, they continue to, to invite me to speak around our area. And I thank You for that. And I thank You for the opportunity this morning to come before You and speak here. And be Your spokesman, Lord. I pray that the words that are shared this morning are Your words, not mine. That they're Your thoughts, not mine. And that what fruit is born here, Lord, is all to Your glory. And I pray that all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. We'll be in Luke 19 uh, is, my, is my text this morning, verses 41 through 44. And why don't we open up and, and, and I'll read that right as we begin. And can I ask you something? It's just kind of something that's come. Can I ask you to rise this morning as we read God's Word? Can I ask you to stand just in, in honor to Him as we read His Word? Luke 19, verses 41 through 44. And I read this. And when they drew near, and when he drew near, he saw the city, that's the city of Jerusalem, he wept over it, saying, What even you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. May the Lord's Word be blessed. You may be seated. 
as I read that, and as we look at this this morning, and, and maybe, it's, maybe it's something that you've, you've seen before, but in this, when He drew near and saw the city, He wept over it. I want to bring up two points because it was very interesting as I looked at this, and even as, as Brenda and I were sitting in um, our living room, I don't know what, what morning it was, I mean, one, one evening it was, and I'm, I'm looking at all this and I'm saying, you know what? I, don't even, I haven't even really looked at what city. What's this city of Jerusalem? What's this, what's this part? Uh, what's the significance of this city? See, the city has many different names to it. In fact, I had a sheet and I don't have it now. The city has a whole bunch of different names to it. And it also is significant in the fact that that was the city. That was where the temple was built. That's where the focus of the world was on, was Jerusalem. If you, if you could pick anything at that time, that was the city. And Jesus is coming into it. Jesus is coming into it not, not, not in a good way. Not in a way that he's really fired up about. I mean, as we saw, and, and, and these go hand in hand, the city and he wept. And I bring that <clears throat> as he drew near and saw the city. See, he was not weeping over the city uh, because of what was going to be happening to him. That wasn't the case. He knew what the city meant. In fact, I have to go here because Gary, in my preparation for Luke, um, we're talking about it. I'm working with Gary. I don't know the whole conversation, but Gary goes, Mike, Mike, you gotta remember Luke 9.51. He's smiling. He knows. Luke 9.51. Um, in fact, I'm gonna go back to it just so I quote it correctly. But Luke 9.51, and I read this. It says, When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Tim shaking his head. And in some, some versions it says he resolutely, he like set his course, he's going to Jerusalem. And he knows why. He definitely knows why. In fact, the Lord gave me starting about, about the end of last year and, and continuing, and I don't know when I'll be able to pre preach a message on it, but the Lord gave me this. Jesus was missional, He was intentional, and He was relational. He was intentional and missional in what He came. He knew what His mission was and where He was to go. And this shares it here in Luke 9 that Jesus resolutely set Himself on Jerusalem. He was missional. He knew what His mission was. He was intentional. He had gone. He resolutely set His mind to go to Jerusalem. And then how did He do that? Relationally. He came to connect with you and I. To draw us into what He was doing. To meet us where we were at. He was way above, came and met us where we were at for a time, and then left. Just incredible to think about Him. Missional, intentional, but He came to do it relationally with us. Do we not have an awesome God or what? So in that, as we focus on the city, as we look at Jesus weeping, not for Himself, but for the people, and for what was to come as Jerusalem would be, would be leveled by 70 A.D. They'd be gone. They'd be wiped out. 
The people would be, most of them would be killed and some were taken hostage. A lot of things changed for the city of Jerusalem. In fact, I wish I had my paper and it must have been in my other Bible, but it talked about that Jerusalem has really been like, like, uh, uh, devastated like a number of times, like, uh, they've been, had numerous wars, like 50 some wars over Jerusalem. I mean, it, there's nothing but, I mean, there's, it, it, it actually the name Jerusalem and I, but that's the way it goes. Uh, the name of Jerusalem really means city of peace. Uh, just to put it simply, Gary could tell you better probably the Greek or whatever, but in, in essence, that's the city of peace. But if you look at it, it's anything but the city of peace. But the focus is still there. So this morning, I want to just share four quick points. And I want to take it from this, this standpoint, that like I'm talking to the Jews, because I believe that's what, kind of what Jesus was saying to, the, to them here. We're going to start out, and when he drew, he saw the city, he wept over it, saying, would you, even you, had known on this day. So, I'm going to put it this way. You did not know that it was your day, Jerusalem. You didn't know. It's like, come on. What's the deal? Here, the city, the city that, that is paramount, the city that, that the whole world is focusing on, they didn't even understand who they were. And they truly didn't understand who was visiting them and what was going to be a transforming or what was going to be unfolding. They thought they would just go on with life. And as I already shared, in 70 years from this time, they're leveled. They're gone. They're history. They did not know that this is your day. That you could have chosen a king, but you chose to kill him as a criminal. Wow. Jesus, they could have chosen him as king. But by the end of the week, they killed him as a criminal. Let's just go to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, just to look at one little portion here. Um, Isaiah 53.3. If I can find it here. Isaiah 53.3. There we go. says this, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As one whom from men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Exactly what happened to Jesus in Jerusalem. Exactly. And you know what, folks? Let's not put it above ourselves to be the same. And I'm not criticizing any one of us, but it's so easy to fall in the same trap to not understand who this Jesus that we celebrate is. What it meant for Him to come into Jerusalem. What it meant for Him to go through that week for you and for me. Wow. We despised Him and rejected Him. He was a man of sorrows equated with grief. Men hid their faces and He was despised and they esteemed Him not. So, Folks, as I, as I kind of address the, the Jews in Jerusalem, this is your day. Second, not only was it this was, the, you did not know this was your day, you did not know what makes for peace. See, that's really this morning, it's kind of an undertone in a way to what I'm speaking, and I, and I want to kind of make sure I'm clear. But the message in, in, in my title actually didn't come till this morning until I looked at a book that I had in my study. 
And it was a book that my daughter gave me, Jessica, uh, when she was in college at, at UND, or I mean at, at uh, NDSU. Don't let me get those two confused. I could be, I could be shot for that. Um, but NDSU, um, and I walked in and she says, Daddy, have you read this book? And I said, no. I said, what's it about? She said, Francis Chan, it's Forgotten God. Wow. A book that changed my life. A book on the, the necessity and the importance of the Holy Spirit is what it's about. And this morning, really the title of my message is Forgotten God. Um, and we'll get into that a little more as I go. But when I look into it, what makes for your peace? John 14 is where we're going to go here. And I'm not going to read the... I, I might have to read the whole passage. I know Steve, I think he's going to put it up, but there's a lot here. Um, John 14, starting at verse 25. And the Word says this, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Not, do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard Me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father and the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place so that if it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk to you for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Jesus says, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives peace. See, we think we're going to see peace in this world. And if we think we are, what have we just seen happen in the last two and a half years with a pandemic and now a war going on across the seas? How peaceful is our world today? Not very, is it? No. And, 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 and Jesus is saying here, He's saying, that peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives. See, it's not looking on the exterior to find that peace. Where do we have to look? Inside. And that peace only comes from knowing the Savior. Folks, if you think you're going to have eternal peace, you're going to have peace in this world right now and what's going on, you're going to be looking far and wide. And, and if you find it, I'll give you a million dollars because I doubt you'll ever find it. You're not going to find that peace you're looking for anywhere externally. But you can find it internally through Christ. And that's what Jesus is saying. Not as the world gives peace. Nope. But I give it. And my peace is eternal. My peace is forever. What He shares, it's only found. And He, he shares it. He says, I'm leaving. But guess what? You know, before, they had to go wherever Jesus was. I love, I love promise keepers because I believe it was at a promise keeper's uh, event that he talked about this, that if Jesus was still alive today, guess what? We would have to go where Jesus is to interact with Him. Much like Billy Graham. You'd have to go where Billy Graham was to interact with Him. Now that we have this beautiful technology and it's so cool, we can kind of sidestep that a little bit, but back up a couple years and you couldn't. You had to be where they were. But what did Jesus say? I'm going away, but guess what? I'm not leaving you. I'm sending somebody else. The Holy Spirit. And He's going to live within you. And He's going to work in you. And He can give you that peace. Wow. What a blessing. And I love Francis's book because there's so much to say there about the Holy Spirit, about the forgotten God part of that. See, the Father would send the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. 
and he would bring it to the remembrance of the people. That's what I love about the Scripture because more and more as I read it, more and more as I study it, more and more I'm remembering. I'm remembering back to things Gary shared and, and other pastors that I've listened to or whatever. The Word comes back and I remember. I get reminded of what the Word says. And we come here this morning. Don't we come here this morning? Anything I say really is not going to tell you anything new. But guess what? I'm just helping remind you of what the Word says. What Jesus is bringing. And what we have in our faith in Him. So it brings to peace. And it's not external, but it's internal. Third point. So, you did not know this is your day. You did not know it wakes for peace. And you surely don't know what's hidden from your eyes. John 12. Back up just a couple chapters from where we were just at. John chapter 12. And this is where it gets... I'll pick it up in verse 43. It says this. Um, nope, 37. John 12, 37 through 43. Sorry about that. When Jesus had said these things, He departed and hid Himself from them. Though He had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in Him. So that the word was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled, Lord, who has believed what, what He heard from us? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, for again Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he, was, because he saw His glory and spoke of Him. That was Jesus. Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in Him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue for they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Wow. They didn't know what was hidden from their eyes. And you know, we could go into a long thing here about this whole situation, but let's just put it this way, that the Lord really blinded them to understanding the truth. And that was part of God's plan. That was part of God's plan. That they wouldn't see what was going on and they wouldn't hear what's going on. And I think part of that is so that we can look at the Scripture today and look back and say, boy, they really missed it. But I hope we get it. See, I think it's put there for us in the way that He unfolded it. That they missed it. And it's almost like saying, Mark, don't miss it. They missed it. Don't miss it, Mark. Don't miss it, Tyler. Don't miss it. Nathaniel, don't miss it, Mike. What's hidden from your eyes? And I love this note that I have in the study Bible that says this. In these verses, John gave the spiritual explanation for such a large-scale catastrophe of unbelief on the part of the Jewish nation. The explanation was that the unbelief was not only foreseen in Scripture, but it was necessitated. For John quotes Isaiah 53.1, and we were just right in that book, in John 12.40, he quotes Isaiah also, both of which stress the sovereign plan of God in His judicial hardening of Israel. Wow. I mean, God had it planned. That was, his, that was His judgment upon them that they wouldn't see it. And I'm hoping that we today, and as I look at this myself, and as I study it and say, Lord, I've missed it. At times, I've totally missed it. At times, I've never seen what, what, what's in your Word. It totally get, catches me off guard. Wow. 
See, the sovereign plan of God, so as not to hide it from us to lead us to His death, He gave it to us for His salvation. He gave it to us to understand. We can look back and say, yeah, they missed it. And I've missed it. And we've all missed it. But God hasn't given up. Um, and He's sharing that. He didn't give up on the Jewish people either. You know. So fourth point. You did not know the day of your visitation. He ends the passage in Luke 19. And I want to just go back there and pick that up at the end of 19. He says this, You and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. So he didn't understand again who Jesus was. Who it was that was visiting. Who came in being waved, being palm branches and stuff as he, as he came into town. You know, I, I, have, to, I have to confess one thing, and, and Gary maybe wouldn't um, uh, suggest that I do this, but I want to do it anyway. Um, I looked really hard. Scriptures aren't sometimes really clear. Uh, Gary will attest to that. Sometimes it's like, boy, you have to dig in. Um, when I looked at it, I said, you know, you have to look at the account of John and you have to look at the account of Luke of the tri- triumphal entry. And when I'm looking at, at Luke, it's like you, Jesus came down from Bethpage, from Bethany to Bethpage down into Jerusalem. And he crossed the Kidron Valley. The Kidron Valley is like where the refuge came out of Jerusalem and kind of flowed down that area. It's not real clean. It's not real nice. But he came this. That was his route. It was about a two-mile trek from Bethany to Jerusalem. Well, when you read the Scriptures and the way it's laid out, they, they did all the waving and all that kind of stuff up in Bethany, up north, or east. I don't know. I forget now which way it is. South? I don't know. North, I'm going to say. Anyway, but they did everything up there. You don't read it when he comes into Jerusalem, at least not in Luke's account. If you go into John's account, it shares a little bit more. But when you look at it, it's like, I really need to understand this. I'm going, they came out of Bethany, and that's where they were praising him in Bethpage. They laid their coats. Why did they leave? I go, why did they lay their coats? And talking to another pastor last night, he told me, he said, Mike, the Kidron Valley, that's where the, the kind of the sewage ran? And they laid their coats to cover that so Jesus, as he rode the foal, as he rode the donkey, the colt, wouldn't be walking through this refuge. Now it makes a little more sense. So as he's coming down. But you know, when, when, when we always you know, think about the Scriptures and where they're praising him coming into Jerusalem, I didn't see that in Luke. And I really tried to search for it. I, I called a couple of good pastor friends. I didn't call Gary because I knew he was busy and he's just gotten back. But looking at it saying, I want to understand this because I don't see it. And that's some of the work and that's some of the things that I'm learning in what I study and what I do. That man, it, it isn't so simple to just check a box. Oh yeah, Jesus did this. Oh yeah, I'll just take it for granted. No, I want to understand why these, why these uh, events take place. And to learn it, to understand it, to be able to share it, to make it clear. And so it helped me clear up what's up. But what was hidden from their eyes, uh, or the time, the day of your visitation. Luke 1. Let's jump back to Luke chapter 1. And then I need to get to wrapping up here. We're getting long. I'm not going to read this whole account, but Luke 1, 67 through 79 is, is where I would be in this one. But I want to read two verses. Luke 1, 68. And it says this. Luke 1, 68 says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for He has visited and redeemed His people. And drop down to 78. 
it says this, Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. The visitation. See, Jerusalem didn't know who was visiting. They didn't know who was coming. They didn't understand it. They knew who He was. They knew He was this Jesus. And I read it earlier that even some of the Jewish leaders, the Jewish people, came to know Christ, understood who He was. But guess what? They were just quiet. Because why? They wanted the pleasure, they wanted the praises of who? Men. Not of God. So they kept it quiet. They believed in Him. I'm not telling anything because guess what? I'll be thrown out of the synagogue. I don't want that to happen. They knew who He was. They understood. But they would have been thrown out. So they didn't understand the day of their visitation. And Zechariah 9.9 says um, more or less the same thing. And I'll just read it quick. Zechariah 9.9 says this, and the title is interesting, The Coming of the King of Zion. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your King is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is He. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So it prophesied exactly what Jesus did. Exactly what unfolded as He came into Jerusalem this last week of His life. Prophesied by the prophet Zechariah. But they failed to recognize who He was. So, how do, we, how do we unfold this? How do we pack it up? How do we apply it? Because I've more and more in my life, folks, and more and more what I see God calling uh, me to do and to bring, um, I used to always call it a wrap-up. Oh, let's wrap it up now. Let's just wrap it up and, and put a neat bow on it and be done. Right? No. God more and more is telling me, folks, um, there has to be some kind of um, application. We need to not just come this morning, folks, and hear it and think it's real good and that, oh, maybe Mike spoke neat or whatever and we're on to something different as soon as we leave the door. No, we have to apply this to their life. And, and I'll tell you, it came more true in my schooling than ever. I could learn all that I wanted to learn, but if I never applied it, what good is that education? Gary's already kind of shared a little bit, and I give him, the, give him a lot of credit, that Gary's helped me mature beyond just learning what I'm learning, but applying it. And he can tell you that through what he sees, that there's application of what I've learned. And folks, that's what I need. That's what I believe we need to do this morning. So I'm just going to ask a couple simple questions that I would ask the Jews if they were here. Do you know? Okay, I talked about them. They didn't know. But do you know that this is your day? That this is your day? That Jesus is calling you today. That Jesus wants to connect with you today. Because guess what? You don't know if you have tomorrow. I don't know if I have this afternoon. This is your day. And God's... God's Asking you right now, do you know me? Do you know that this is your day? I gave you this day. But this is your day. What are you doing with it for me? So, do you know this is your day? What makes for your peace? Do you know what makes for your peace? If it is this world, guess what? It's not going to last. <laughs> it's going to be very fleeting. If you're looking for your peace in our world today, just look around you. You don't have to go very far. 
Come, come to New Folden. If you were at our event a couple weeks ago, come there and find out how many people are in peace. There's a lot of people, a lot of people needing help after COVID with the whole mental health thing. There are a lot of people who have no peace. You try to find it outside, difficult. You try to find it inside. And we've all dealt with it. We've all had things go crazy during COVID. That What does that do to your internal peace? I don't think it's quite, quite there yet. Do you know your peace? Do you know what is hidden from your eyes? And that's a tough one. That's a tough one for me because I don't know what I don't know. I do know that going to school at Oak Hills and learning what I've learned about the Word is, guess what? I know so little. Gary has an MDiv, I believe, in this whole thing. I've got a two-year certificate, or I will, come May 7th. But what don't I know? What am I blindsided by? What have I not figured out yet? There's so much. But you know, the neat part is, as I get in the Word and I'm in it every day and that's not easy, He reveals more and more about Himself and about what I need to know, but I need to stay at it. If I didn't stay at it at my work at Oak Hills, guess what? It's going to pass me by. I'm not going to learn. If we're not in His Word, we're not going to understand what we don't know, what's hidden from our eyes. Because I'll say this, if we think it's religion, if we think it's ritual, or we think it's the church, we're mistaken. We come and gather here this morning to be with one another, to understand what God is bringing. But if we think this is it, this gathering, this is it, this is all, uh uh-uh. If we think the rituals that we do, our prayer life, our fasting, our all that, is, if that's it, sorry, not going to do it. We come to the Lord by faith, not by what we do. It comes after. Once we come to know Him, we show that by what we do. And it's not by religion. We can faithfully follow religion. I faithfully followed as much as I knew of the Catholic Church as long as I could stay in that. And that never would have saved me. Never. So folks, none of that is going to do it. Do we know? And the last one, do you know that this is the day of your visitation? Because you know what? Jesus stands at the door. He stands at the door two ways. He stands at the door for us that know Him to get deeper connected to Him. He doesn't have you come this morning just to hear a neat message and go home and not do anything with it. No. He wants to know us better. He wants us to know Him better. He wants a better relationship, a better connection. But too often we just blow Him off. You know, God's calling. I mean, when do you, when do you, you know, when is when your phone go off? You don't take it and go, oh yeah, my friend, oh yeah. What if God's calling you? What if God's saying, Mike, I want your time today. I want you to call me back, would you? He texted me. I'd love to get a text from God. God, you know, uh, Mike, text me back, or Mike, call me back. God. That'd be wonderful. And we think it's funny, maybe. But God wants that relationship. God wants us to connect. God wants us more than anybody that comes on this phone to connect with us. He wants to visit with us. And what do we do with Him? I don't have time, God, this morning. I don't have time to go to church. I don't have time to uh, get in my Bible. Uh, God, I, I got work to do. I got family to do. I got kids are sick. I mean, come on, God, what do you expect of me? And God gave us His life in the first place. And we celebrate next week the death of His life 
for you and for me. And we can't give Him some time. We can't understand that He wants to visit with us, that He needs a visitation, that He came to spend time with us and He continues to want to spend time with us and He sends His Holy Spirit to be within us, not just around us, in us. And we kind of blow them off. We're casual. Folks, wow. So those that know Him, connect deeper. And for those who don't know Him, if you're here this morning, you're going, I don't really know what you're talking about this God. Yeah, but I, I know there's a God out there and I know whatever, but you're talking like this or that. Uh, if you don't know Him this morning, if you don't personally have never accepted Him in your life, have never said, God, I want to, I want to give you my life. I want to live for you then I'd love to talk with you after the service. Gary would love to talk with you. Anyone of the deacons, Jeff would love to talk to you. They would love to share this life in Christ with you. Because nothing else is going to matter at the end of this world. Nothing. You're not going to find any peace. You're not going to have any happiness. You're not going to have anything at the end of this world if you don't know Him. Because you go to a place that's going to be total hell. And that's what it's called. So we got a choice. If we know Him, connect deeper. If we don't know Him, connect with Him today. Connect with Him now. You could say a simple prayer now that Jesus, I want You as part of my life. So, I'll leave you with two last little thoughts. And, and you've all seen this at some point probably in your life. Know Jesus. Okay, K-N-O-W, know Jesus, and no peace. K-N-O-W, no peace. Right? And right underneath it it says, no Jesus, N-O, no Jesus, N-O, no peace. I mean, maybe this whole thing, this whole message could have been summed up in that. I could have just said, you know, Gary, I'm blowing off my professor's deal or whatever. I'm going to give you, uh, what is that? Uh, two, four, six, I'm going to give you eight words and you're done. I'm done. Make it simple. No Jesus, no peace, no Jesus, no peace. And then this. Because as I'll wrap it up with this. What I love, and Gary will appreciate this to a point, one of the things we are tasked with in our studies is saying, what did the Word speak to the people at the time it was written? We have to understand what was said to the people because if we don't understand what was said to the people and how it was communicated to them, how can we bring it then today to our time? So the way we looked at it is, okay, what did it speak to their town? And now, what does it speak to our town? So here I'm talking about what did it speak to the people of Jerusalem? And now we're speaking, we're speaking what is it speaking to the people of New Folden? So their town. The Jews failed to recognize who Jesus was. And we'll never have His peace. That's their town. But our town? Let us not fail to remember what Jesus did for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You again for this morning. I thank You for the opportunity again to serve. I thank You for the opportunity that, that You have given me over these years. And Lord, for the way that You have invested in my life, the way this church has invested in my life, the way Gary has invested his life in me and so many others. So Lord, I give You thanks for that. I give You thanks for Your Word this morning. I give You thanks for what You have brought. And Lord, I again pray that Your Word would not go void. Lord, that the Word would go forth and it would bear fruit for You. And Lord, that we would be drawn closer to You, that we would understand the peace that only comes in knowing who You are and the celebration that we have next Sunday in Easter Sunday when You gave Your life for each one here. 
And I pray it all in the precious name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.